Welcome to C3 Hobart Online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. Fantastic. I'm going to let the worship team uh, go as well. But um, I just want to I just want to say, John and and Mavis and family, because your family are involved with that little John Junior. He's eight. He told me today. Do you know what they're doing is quite remarkable. But I think the important thing to understand is is that each of us have a journey somewhere. And our story, our testimony may not be the same as what John's testimony is. Yet each of us are on a faith journey. For those who may be new here to C3, our vision statement is fairly clear. Is we want to reach people who are on a journey of faith and build strong followers of Christ. And I say that pretty clearly is that we believe that everybody is on a journey of faith somewhere. Some people just don't know it yet. But everybody is on a journey of faith somewhere. And so as a church, we actually support um, uh, the, the foundation that John and Mavis put into because we believe it is putting back into uh, those who have also given out as well. And so we thank you so much for that, John. I want to start our time today with a question. Who has recently hosted a dinner party or gone out with friends and in order to bless them has not paid for the bill but removed the shoes of your guests and started washing their dirty feet? I'm talking taking off the end of the day, the Blundstones, the dirty explorers, and started washing their feet, one by one, each person in the room. Even the one in the group that you know has been spreading gossip about you, behind your back has been telling lies about you. Last week I shared a, a scripture that Morella and I feel is is, is almost like a blueprint for our church in this next season. And I don't say year because I believe God works in his seasons and in his timing. That was my message last week. God is God and I am not, right? And the, and the scripture comes from John chapter 13. And it says this, come up on the screens. So I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. This morning I want to give some context to this passage by sharing what I believe is the most defining pastoral moment in the ministry of Jesus. And it's not a passage about raising the dead or giving sight to the blind or the moment you know, where, 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 where Jesus spat on the ground and all of a sudden got some mud up and, you know, a blind man could see. These are great things. But for me, this is the most defining pastoral moment in the whole ministry of Jesus. And it's the moment where Jesus removed the sandals of his disciples and started washing their feet. The concept of loving one another was not new. It was all through the Old Testament. Now, we want to get a little bit of honest here today, right? Get a little bit honest here. It's, it's January. It's okay to be a little bit honest here. 
Who reads through some of the Old Testament and thinks to themselves, man, God was a cranky father. He got a little bit angry at them, right? Am I the only one? Well, you read through some of the Old Testament and you're thinking to yourself, man, that's not the, not, that's not the father that, that's a loving father. Yet that's exactly what the Old Testament is. You see, the Old Testament is full of examples whereby God, who is often seen as this, as this cranky, strict father, speaks of our love and our need to love one another. In Leviticus 19, 18, he says this to, when he's talking to Moses. He says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. And last week I touched on a passage um, where God is leading the prophet Ezekiel. And I promised I would speak on it this week. Well, I've broken my promise. I'm not going to. But, but God leads the prophet Ezekiel to this valley of dry bones. And, and this, this valley of dry bones, this image and of this valley of dry bones is, is an image of what the nation of Israel was. Is it an image of the nation of Israel who had forgotten God. They'd started living life without God. They started believing that, that, that we can do this without God. We can do this without our Creator. And so they'd set up idols. They'd forgotten to get up in the morning and give thanks to God. And all of a sudden now they're, they're found in exile in another country. They're spiritually dry. They're broken people. They're a nation that has forgotten God. And God even says to Ezekiel in this scripture, he says, he says, is it even possible for these people to live again? Here's the point though. I wasn't going to speak on Ezekiel, but I kind of am. Here's the point. Despite humanity's rejection, God chose in his unfailing love to breathe life back into those dry bones. That's a God that loves. Despite a nation rejecting and forgetting about God, God chose in his grace and his unfailing love to say, I will breathe life back into that which is dead. Can I just share with you this morning, if you feel that you are spiritually just not where you want it to be, there is a God who loves you so much that he desires to breathe life back into you wherever you're at. That's not condemnation and judgment, although God has the right to do that. There is a nation of people who had forgotten and had defiled God, yet God in his utmost unfailing love says, I want to breathe life back into you. I've titled this morning's message, When the Mask is off. And as a young boy growing up, I often dreamed of being a superhero. You know, I'm talking the old-fashioned superheroes like Superman and Batman, Captain America, Thor, even the Incredible Hulk. But if I'm going to be honest, my absolute favourite was this guy here. Spider-Man. I mean, come on, he looks cool, right? Spider-Man looks cool. I mean, if I tried to do that image now, I'd tear a hamstring. But Spider-Man with the mask on looks cool. He could climb walls. He could swing between buildings on his own made webs. 
He was strong, but not ridiculously strong like Superman. Like Superman was over the top. His reflexes were insane. And maybe the coolest skill that he had was what was called his spider sense, which was like this inbuilt warning system that alerted him to dangers, which would have been as a really helpful for me as a 10-year-old kid when I was coming home late every night for dinner. But as a young kid, there were many long summer's days when I was on my bright yellow BMX bike. This is before mountain bikes. This was old school BMX bike. And I'd be a 10-year-old kid and I would be going through the local little town that I lived in and I would hit a dirt jump. And although I was probably only about 10 centimetres off the ground... For that brief moment when I hit that dirt jump, I felt like I was flying. I felt like I was a superhero. I felt like I was Spider-Man. Our faith journey can often feel like superhero characters. Where on the outside we are busy serving people with a smile and speaking the very best Christianese that we can, yet behind the scenes we're finding it hard to even like people, let alone love them. We're finding it hard to even comprehend washing somebody else's feet. And it's not because God has forgotten to love us, it's because maybe we've forgotten to love God. I want to give some context to this scripture that I read out before. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Jesus is about to enter into the town of Jerusalem. And let me tell you this, I'm not being disrespectful here, but let me tell you this, Jesus was an out and out superhero, right? If you read through the New Testament scriptures here, we find so many times where Jesus did these amazing supernatural things and, and what ends up happening is that crowds of people came following him. Now, if you read the comic books or if you watch the movies or whatever this is, whenever Spider-Man did something amazing, crowds of people would come and follow him. They'd look up in the sky and say, it's Spider-Man. And so Jesus has been doing these amazing things. And when you hear through the scriptures, each time it's Jesus heals a blind man or he, or he does something or other like this, you, you'll find straight afterwards it says that the crowds of adoring people came to see what it was. It's kind of like that mob mentality where something big has happened and people want to see what is going on. And this is where this scripture comes into it. So, so Jesus is about to enter the town of Jerusalem. And, and the crowds are coming out because they've heard that Jesus is coming to town. And they're not just coming out to sort of stand on the side and go, oh yeah, he's not as tall as I thought. Don't you always get that? Oh, Stewie doesn't get that. But they're actually coming out and it says in the scriptures that they had palm branches and they're waving palm branches as Jesus as he's coming into the town. You know, you've seen those movies where, where, where the kings have people fanning them and throwing grapes at them and stuff like this. This was a crowd of people who had got palm branches and they're waving these palm branches to Jesus as he's coming into the town. This was, this was superhero status. And as he gets into the town, they're shouting out to him, the Saviour is here. 
God bless the king of Israel. Hail to God's ambassador. They gave Jesus a superhero's welcome. John chapter 13, verse 1. Jesus knew that the night before the Passover, sorry, I lost my scripture there, would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to his father's side. All throughout his time with the disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Verse 2. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Verse 3. Now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control, for he'd come from God and was about to go back and be with him. So he got up from his meal, took off his outer robe, took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then Jesus, the one where the crowds had adored him as he came in, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. It was reported on the Thursday before Easter in 2013, the newly elected Pope broke with hundreds of years of tradition, which was to wash the feet of 12 decorated priests in the Vatican. And instead, he jumped into his Pope mobile. He'd be a real superhero to have a Pope mobile. He jumped into his Pope mobile. And he asked his team to take him to a small town called Valeri, which was 40 kilometers north of Rome. And when he got to this town on this Thursday, the night before Easter, when he should have been back, tradition told him of washing the feet of 12 decorated priests in the Vatican. The newly elected Pope arranged to go into the most notorious jail in the region whereby he would wash the feet of 12 inmates. It was then said that after he'd washed the feet of 12 inmates, he asked the team to drive him to a refugee camp, one that John talked about before, whereby he washed the feet of 12 refugees. And then it was said that he asked them to take him to, a, uh, to an aged care home, the vulnerable, whereby he got on his knees and he washed the feet of 12 elderly Italian residents. As you would expect, it upset the dignitaries, it upset the religious establishment, but at the same time, it delighted millions who saw a leader who was prepared to love those who were unlovable. To serve those in society that they said couldn't be served. To give to something, something to those who were said had never given anything back to society. On the very night he was betrayed, behind closed doors, away from the spotlight of the adoring crowds, Jesus 
demonstrated a love to his disciples that was so culturally misaligned that even his closest disciples struggled to understand. During the week, I was sitting with Kyle, a mate of mine, and we were trying to put this in context of what this would be like in 2021. You see, because I got to live in the Middle East, and to give this some context, to show somebody the sole of your foot is to show them the utmost disrespect. I don't know whether you ever remember seeing it a couple of years ago, that in the Iraqi parliament, a man came into the back and he took off his shoe and he threw it towards the speaker. In that culture, there was this showing the most disrespect that you can. Yet that's exactly the thing that Jesus did. Is that he would wash the dirtiest part, the soles of their feet. And as we sat trying to work out what does that seem like in 2021... It came up as we Googled this that it would be like picking the lice out of somebody's hair. Cleaning the mud off the bottom of their shoes when they don't ask you to. Going into the toilet straight after somebody and cleaning it. Not because it's your job, but because you love them. I kind of understand a little bit why Peter would protest. Here was Jesus. They'd just seen him coming in, riding on a donkey. Crowds of people adoring him. They'd lived ministry with him for three years. They'd seen him heal the sick. They'd seen him give sight to the blind. They say in the scriptures here, this was just after where Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Yet here he was in an upper room in somewhere in Jerusalem where Jesus took off his outer garment, got down on the ground in the dust and the dirt, And then with a bowl of water, he washed the feet of his disciples. It says that he dried them with the same towel that was around his waist. And it says that he went to the one by one. To me, that scripture shows that he even went and did it to Judas. The one who just moments later would betray him. Jesus knew that. Yet he showed the most immeasurable love. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, I know that person's going to be mean to me or I'm not going to do anything for them? Jesus would love them. And that's why it gets to the scripture straight afterwards that Morella and I believe is upon our church for this season. I give you a new commandment, says Jesus, to love each other just as I have loved you. 
just as you've seen me do right now. It says, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. I want to close in just a minute. But I want to ask the question today, what is our response to God's love to us? What is John's response to God's love for him? Living in places where humanity was at its very worst. God's love, John's love is an action to be able to give back as much as he can. In a biography on her life, it was said that in the cold winter months of 1940, Dutch watchmaker Corey Tamboon and her sister Betsy were, were being held captive at the Ravenbrook Correctional Concentration Camp. Where alongside hundreds of other women, they were often stripped bare, spat upon, abused and defiled. On one occasion, it was said that Corey turned to her sister and said, Remember Betsy, the same Jesus that publicly healed the sick and gave sight to the blind privately showed a love so great that he would remove his outer clothing, bend on his knees in the dust and wash the feet of the disciples. To which it was said, Betsy said, my only way of saying thanks is to show love to even those who don't deserve it. To even those guards that stand in front of me. Strip me naked. Spit on me. Defile me. I was speaking recently to a friend who's studied the Hebrew language. And he was telling me that the word love in this particular scripture comes from the root word habab. And he said that it's, it's not a feeling. You see, we throw around the word love like it's a feeling. He said, in this particular scripture here, if you look at the root word of it, it actually was an action word, a doing word. And it comes down and says it was meaning to serve, to protect, to love. I believe there is both a calling and a response on us individually and as a church to pay that love forward to others. To pay forward that love that has been shown to us. And I'm not talking about for those who know the, the term pay it forward is where you just pay one and then someone else pays it. It's about, imagine if we were a church where it was known that we were just continually doing love, paying forward love to others, even when they don't deserve it. To reach a community who are on a journey of faith and show them love, even when they don't deserve it. To give back to a community in Africa, maybe even when they didn't deserve it. You see, many in the community will struggle to understand just as Peter did, just as the disciples did. Because it's a love that is foreign to people. Even other Christians will struggle to understand. 
But if we are serious about reaching a community and building strong followers of Christ, it starts with us having a love that is a doing word. It starts with us loving people who others say are unlovable. The reason I find this the most defining pastoral moment in the ministry of Jesus is that it challenges us both individually and as a church to love others even when the mask is off. I celebrate when we see altars full of people who are getting healed. I celebrate when we see new life. I celebrate those things that, 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 that stand out there. But I believe it is upon us that we're going to see a love in our community that's going to be done behind closed doors. Where we're going to love people in such a way that they might even protest for a start. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to finish with that new song that the team brought us before. And it says, I will make room for you, Jesus, to do whatever you want to do. And those words that come up on the screens there, not just words on a screen, that it says, I will make room for you, Jesus, to do whatever you want to do. It's about believing in the one whose love for us was so immeasurable that he would eventually die on the cross for us. We didn't deserve it. love that was an action so grand that he met us where we're at spiritually dry maybe on top of the world and he said I'll stand on the cross not because it's a public thing to do it's a very public thing to do but because with this, I'm taking your sins. I'm taking your brokenness. I'm taking your hurt. I'm taking your pain. And we're going to defeat them. You see, when you accept Jesus into your life, when you accept that love that was shown to you, when you accept Jesus into your life, we stand free doesn't mean that we won't have pain doesn't mean that we won't have tears here on earth but we stand free in the understanding that God showed the most immeasurable love by sending his son to die on the cross in order that we may be set free so I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes I'm just going to pray today for us as a church it may be though that you've come in here today and you felt God speaking to you and you feel that you maybe are a bit spiritually dry, maybe you've never received Jesus, maybe you've never received that love before in your life. Maybe it is that you're finding it hard to show love because you just feel like you're just not getting any love back with it. I'm telling you, 
Jesus loves you. And so just while eyes are closed, if you'd love to receive that to this morning, I just want you to raise your hand just where you are. Thank you, I can see that. By doing this, it's a simple act. Just keep your hand up for just a moment. Thank you, I can see that hand as well. It's just a simple act to say, do you know what? I receive that love. I receive that love. I didn't deserve it. Yet, yet, you would wash my feet and I don't even deserve it. Thank you, I can see those hands. Is there anyone else? Just keep right. Thank you, I can see that hand as well. Is there any more? Just for the last 10 seconds. Put them right up. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Put those hands down. I'm going to pray for you right now and those others stand around you in support of this. I'm going to ask you, just as I pray this prayer, just where you are, just in your own heart, if you raise your hands or maybe you didn't but you want to repeat this prayer, then just to, to pray it as well. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your Son to die on the cross. A love so immeasurable. A love that I didn't deserve. But a love that you gave to me. Heavenly Father, today I receive that love. I step forward in the knowledge that you have set me free. And I give my life to you today. Heavenly Father, let me pay that forward to somebody else. Let me be the vessel for somebody else. We thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, we would love to catch up with you. So we're going to sing this song and then we're going to close up. But for those who did, we would love to catch up with you. So can do you just come and meet us just, just down the front here on my left your right hand side because we'd love to pray with you get a bible for you and just help you on the start of this journey because there's a celebration in heaven today you know that scriptures say there's celebration in heaven for all of those who come to know our lord jesus christ god bless thanks for joining us today at c3 hobart online if you were impacted by this message or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.